Welcome to episode 40 of the SEO for Photographers podcast with Dylan and Corey from Fuel Your Photos. Today we're going to be talking about AI and there are so many things that we could talk about. AI is taking over the world if you haven't heard and uh, we're just going to kind of focus in on a couple of topics today that are on our minds and things that we've seen in the community. Specifically we're going to talk about whether or not you should block AI bots from your website, from being able to access your website. And we're going to talk about custom GPTs. So if you know about these things, hopefully you'll enjoy this. If you don't, pay attention because these are some of the newest things happening in the world of AI. Dylan, you have been writing a lot about AI. You've got a new blog post about this specific topic of uh, blocking AI bots. So since you're the, the expert, would you say your post is ranking second page right now for or position 13 for that general term um yeah totally so if it, yeah if you google like block ai bots i'm coming up almost on the first page I'm, my goal is to get there soon <laughs> nice well tell us a little bit about the the controversy why is this even a thing why are people talking about this uh what are they afraid of what are they concerned about and what does it mean to block an ai bot yeah so i i saw this a screenshot was just getting shared around all of the photography groups and photographers profiles I think it originally might have come from the LawTog or somebody in the space shared it. And it was just getting like I, I saw the post and had like 900 shares and it, I kept seeing it pop up in my feed for like days on end. And it was Squarespace added the option to block AI bots with one click okay. in their in their settings. And there's actually backlash because it defaults to not being checked. Uh, so people are angry that by default Squarespace does not block AI bots. Which oh man, that sounds like is, the right answer to me. Right? <laughs> totally. I know. They got it right this time. Um, which, I mean, it, most website platforms default to not blocking anything, and you have to consciously make the decision to block Google or AI bots or anybody from crawling or indexing your website. And I think that's how it always should be. I think people would really get messed up if platform decided to block any sort of site like Google or AI bots without you knowing it, especially as our world goes to more towards sending referral traffic from those different tools that utilize their information. Um, so yeah, I think they made the right decision. I don't think it should default to blocking. And I also think that people are sort of getting it wrong. Um, I think photographers are extremely worried about their photos being used to train AI tools. Mm -hmm which I don't think you're going to make any change to any mid-journey algorithm by not having your like really not noteworthy or well-known photos used to train. Um, it might be different if you're an extremely well-known photographer or artist, but especially someone who has a very specific style that you're known for. Like there are certain, like maybe yeah. like, um, uh, and Gettys who with the, with the babies, like, you know, like that specific style, maybe if you're that kind of, <clears throat> Photographer, you would want to think about whether people would pass off AI work as yours when you sell prints or something like that. But that's really not the vast majority of the audience that we're talking to. No. And in this, and if that's the case, you should try to just block the bots that are used for that image creation, which might be more difficult than it seems. We we started looking for a list of the known uh, bots for all of these different tools. And unfortunately, a lot of them are grouped under the same large companies. Mm. Um, so as it exists right now, you can block GPT bot, and that is all of AI, open AI's uh, crawling. So any data set they're using for chat GPT or like mid journey or anything like that. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. We're going to throw some notes in the show notes because there are a few different bots. Uh, they do differentiate between the bots that are getting the large data sets to train new models. Mm-hmm. And like the bot that is used when somebody does a query to ChatGPT and says like, hey, go look at this website and and tell me what's on it. Or, or anytime ChatGPT thinks they need to crawl a certain individual website, they use a different uh, user agent. ChatGPT user, can, I think, right? Exactly. Chat GPT slash user or dash user. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that different user agent might be useful for you to say, like, maybe I don't want my information used to train the overall models, but I do want people to access my site if they're asking information about my business or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk for a second. Let's kind of back up and talk about the importance of AI crawling or accessing your site. Now, I guess there's a lot of different things that are going on here. When it comes to <clears throat> models being trained, like you said, there's there's big companies that aggregate um, images and, and text information and then sell it to some of these companies that are training. Uh, but there's also companies that are scraping the web and training models. Um, <clears throat> there's, and then there's also uh, potential for AI to crawl something live. But... <clears throat> What, what are we thinking about when we're thinking about um, AI accessing the site? I mean, I, I know there's certainly the concern about images, but how, what do you think about, I guess, how Google is going to work in the future? I know right now I'm opted into uh, the labs, which, by the way, if you're not, yeah. you should go to, labs, I think it's just labs.google.com. Let me just check and make it sure is. that's it. Yeah. And it'll give you the option to opt in. It says experiment with the future of AI. Uh, and you can opt in there to their AI features. Um, and I've been looking a lot at the things that it's generating. Uh, and I watched the demo with Gemini. There's a lot of controversy around that, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> yep. the, the interesting thing to me is that it's very clear that Google understands that the old way, the 10 blue links, even though 10 blue links is, is old, right? Currently we're, they're using a lot of SERP features, right? But they can now dynamically generate SERPs that are customized to the query down to the formatting, like the, the specific things that are displayed can match the intent behind the query. There's no way they're not going to roll that out into the majority of search results in the future. Uh, now that we've kind of seen how, strong those results can be so i don't know i guess i believe that for the big for the people thinking about seo any big company that is focused on search algorithms is going to understand that the future of returning search results is needing to be more and more custom and is therefore going to utilize more and more ai and i don't want to be left behind in that i don't know no i mean same i i I think that that's a huge, I mean, there's such a big parallel to the same discussion that happened in the nineties when people started seeing like, and even into the two thousands, I like with Google, uh, traffic from referral traffic from Google and people thinking like, is it worth it for Google to crawl my site for me to get some referral traffic or should I not be included in that conversation at all? Yeah. And I mean, Gosh, who's the guy from Moz? My mind, my mind's completely blanking. Right, but Fishkin. he kind of, yeah, Rand. He kind of went on like this, like long multi-year fight where he was trying to tell people that like you shouldn't give Google all of this information and that it's not worth it. And then you're 
you're not getting enough in return. And I think he was just completely wrong. And I think that people right now, if, if they're having the same sort of analysis with if they should block AI or not, or if they should be included in those conversations, I think they're wrong as well. Um, I think that unfortunately there's no way to go back in time to when it was so easy to get so much relatively free traffic from any of these sources and expecting the world to revert back to those situations is just not like realistic. Right. I can understand where Rand was coming from. Like I don't, I don't think he was completely wrong. And I think it's still a debate with especially (laughs) news, right? Like, like think about wall street journal, for example, they're going to put a lot of the articles that they publish behind paywalls. And now there's certainly solutions for Google being able to index content behind paywalls. But the concept is, uh, you know, it should the web's, uh, should should all the information that Google's indexing around the web be monetized through advertisements? Or right. should you be able to pay content uh, publishers to access the information that you want? That's kind of the real debate right. at the heart of that. And it totally, you know, certainly, you know, in an, I mean, and there's still things that like Substack and like totally. people are still fighting for the idea of like publishers being paid directly. I mean, like the idea of Brave Browser, I think I wish so hard that that would win. Like, I, I don't know if it's getting any traction or has in the last few years, but to be able to monetize your traffic based purely on like the browser extension or the browser that people are using would be amazing. Uh, create good trap, like create good content that drives traffic and you'll just get paid. Like that would be the dream for content creators. Right. But think about uh, all of that and then think about how many people are just using Google right now. Right. It's exactly totally. the same for how AI will be next year or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's not very long for sure. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, if you're, if you're concerned about the ethics of it, if you're concerned about, you know, how it's going to be monetized, if you're concerned about, uh, something being stolen from you, <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> you might be fighting a losing <laughs> battle in this case. Right. I think, yeah, at that point, uh, buy some land in Alaska, go live in the woods. I don't know. <laughs> Which like, might not be a bad idea, but we won't get into yeah, that topic today. I'll be jealous. Totally. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you know we're thinking about uh, AI bots and, and potentially blocking them. Um, if you're going to block them, we've said that you may want to be more specific than blocking all AI bots. You might not just want to go down a list someone gives you and say, you know, block all of these. You might want to think about the fact that you may be blocking uh, bots that will um, have useful information. Let's actually just paint a picture of how this might look uh, real quick. So sure. let's say... Now, if you've seen the, the Gemini demo, you've seen that they're clearly pushing to put these sort of models on devices. You've, if you've seen how Microsoft's using Copilot now in the operating system, um, the idea is that people will be able to ask more refined questions, uh, more conversational queries. The, our searching won't be the sort of like robotic queries that we've kind of trained ourselves to use if we you know grew up using the internet since Google you know their inception like we know to go to Google and search for wedding photographers in Portland Oregon or Portland wedding photographers like that kind of thing is just like a natural kind of query for us but I think that newer users and the people who Google is trying to train if you notice right now if you look in the uh, search results they're going to constantly be saying ask a follow-up they're trying to get people to be more specific so what Google wants is for people to say, uh, show me some photographers in Portland. Uh, and they'll say, well, what kind of photographer are you looking for? 
And you might say, oh, I'm looking for a wedding photographer. And they'll say, okay, I've got a list of wedding photographers, but to help you um, narrow it down to the perfect wedding photographer for you, tell me a little bit about what you're looking for. Uh, it might even ask specific questions like, what's your budget? Or what kind of style are you going for? Uh, do you want more documentary? Vers-? You know, It might get really specific. By the way, have you played around with um, the voice to chat on ChatGPT? No, not enough yet. Is it incredibly It's weird. It's, it's different than talking to ChatGPT because it prompts you to continue the conversation at the end of its response. So okay. the other day I, I asked it a question. I just wanted to see like how it would do with like theoretical things. And I was like, um, is it, are zoos ethical? <laughs> and it was like going through the pros and cons. And, and then I kind of like followed up with a long answer. I, you know, I gave it like four or five sentences about what I thought about what it told me. And it was like interesting points. And then it kind of like dissected that and kind of gave me some back and forth. And then it followed up and it's like, what do you think? Does that change anything? And it's like this way of, it's really trying to focus on a conversation that gets you to really get to the point. Right. And I think that Google's also trying to do something sort of like that with the ask a follow-up. And so if if someone says that they want a documentary wedding photographer that won't annoy their guests, how does the model know, right? We have to be able to give them access to the things that we're saying on our website. All the things that you work on when you're thinking about the avatars that you'd like to target, when you're thinking about the things that are your unique selling propositions, the things that set you apart from your competition, you need to be able to say those on your website. And then you need to let those models be trained on that information so that they can say, Okay, I've got the perfect photographer for you, Dylan M. Howell. He's, you know, he talks about all of the things that you're looking for, and people have mentioned all of those things in the reviews when they talk about him. Right. They can summarize all of that and give it back to you as the best suggestion. We're not quite there yet, but yeah. it's getting there fast. And I think the point is we need to be thinking about how do we feed more information into these AI models instead of how do we restrict them from following us. Completely agree. That's my little mini rant on that, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an influential photographer who has a specific style. I'm also never. I've never been someone who has thought of photos as something that can be stolen. I know that's a controversial topic, right. and I do get it. There are, you know, I have a friend who's a photojournalist who, you know, traditionally worked for newspapers, but now is more of a freelancer and talks all the time about how the photos that he takes are stolen by news outlets and and all these things that's a whole different conversation in my mind when I'm talking about like portrait photographers who do work for clients and then get paid by the client. <clears throat> I don't know. I just don't think of that kind of stuff as something that sh- you should, I'd never built a business model around being worried about those being stolen, but yeah, anyway, it's, it could be a, ca- a situation for some people. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting world. I, I saw a post in one of the AI groups that I'm in on Facebook, which is pretty wonderful. It's called the futurists and it's, I think it's, Pratik Naik, I believe, that runs it. Um, he's a really well-known image uh, retoucher and works with like commercial and fashion clients and stuff like that. And he posted a food photo by Midjourney version 6 that kind of blew my mind. And it, it really made me think, like, and his post was pretty accurate, like, most of the food photos you see are, like, not at all representative of the food you're going to get at any restaurant. And now we might be getting, like, AI versions of that. And it's interesting. maybe, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, but yeah, I think you're right in the, in the event world and in the world of like portraits of your own family, like are people going to be using mid journey to make family portraits now? I, I 
doubt it. It's fun, but it's still not the experience. And if I was a headshot photographer, I don't know, I might be a little more scared, but not really. I think it's all about making sure that your business is offering more than just this final product. But yeah, that's another rant for another day. I know. I do think that people will use AI to generate family photos, for example, or couples portraits or, you know, all the stuff that we see from adventure elopement photographers in these mountains and landscapes. And, and and there's like a tiny little couple that you can really barely make out anyway. There's no reason AI can't do something very similar to that. Um, Exactly. Now, obviously the, the, this is, (laughs) I don't want to get into the whole conversation of if you weren't there, is it real? Like does that attach to a memory? It's not the same thing, but that's not the point. The point is like, Maybe if I'm, <clears throat> let's say I go to the mountains with my, my family and right now, um, all of us except for one have Google phones and, nice. um, they're all connected to Google photos. Google photos is amazing yeah. with their AI, the right. way that they can uh, recognize objects and subjects and just all kinds of things in the photo. Um, it's unreal the way that they isolate people even throughout all kinds of poses and ages. And it's wild to me how well it does it, all of that stuff. Right. So if all of my family has hundreds, maybe thousands of photos in their photo roll, uh, of each of us, like we're all taking pictures of each other all the time. We've got each other from every angle imaginable, uh, in all kinds of outfits in all kinds of settings and all kinds of styles of hair and things that were, you know, all that we've got it captured. And then we go on a vacation and we take pictures throughout the vacation of all the, the settings. Maybe we're, we're on a trail and there's some you know, certain kind of foliage or trees or whatever. We're taking pictures of all that, right? And then we just go back and say, uh, can you generate a photo of Corey, Ashley, and then the kids and um, put us on that trail that had the beautiful oak, uh, blah, blah, blah. Why couldn't it just generate something that's based on all of that that is yeah. practically real? The only thing we didn't do was stand there, set up a tripod, and take the photo, right? Like Exactly. There, we're, we'll get there to that point. And I'm not saying this to say, like, photographers will be obsolete. No. I'm just saying, you know, in that case, maybe there are photographers who aren't just thinking about the style of their images, but their posing is something that AI may decide to take inspiration from. You know, maybe you say poses in the style of, and you say a certain photographer, if you don't want to be able to be used in that way, man, there's so many things to think about here, but I think ultimately it's like, can we embrace it? Could you then sell presets of your style? Could you then like right now you can train, especially if you're using some of the more, um, uh, I don't know about, about mid journey and how much Mm -hmm. training you, uh, you can do on models there. You can do something now, can't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. But totally. what's the um, um, stable diffusion? Like people who are mm-hmm. doing all this stuff, like in the group you're talking about, most of them Gosh. who want to generate a specific model, they take photos of that model, put it in, and then start doing their generations, right? So yeah. then could you do presets of um, backdrops and environments and all this stuff? Maybe there's a whole new business model to be thinking about. So For sure. don't default to just fear and doom and gloom. Think about yeah. this is potentially the future. How can you embrace it or at least be aware of how it works? Another tangent, and I hope it's relatively connected, but have you looked at Sam Hurd's new tool, Insight Photo? I've seen him posting about it, but I haven't really looked at it much. Yeah, I've, I've only watched his videos. Uh, I haven't tried it myself, but it pretty much, you you text the photo from your camera to the tool, and then it, it takes your example image, and it spits out like 16 uh, 
versions of that image with different ideas uh, for how to pose and how to like just improve the photo in general. And so you get those like texted back to you on the fly. So you can be like at the shoot and like, just look at your phone for a second. And, and it's pretty beautiful. I mean, that's a great example of using AI to just improve your work and improve the product for your, your clients. Right. And it's cool that um, he can take all of his really unique ideas about how to pose people and how to do something interesting and put that back into a suggestion engine that people can right. get ideas from. And it's customized for like the setting you're in, the light conditions, everything, the clients. It's it's pretty cool. Whereas I've seen similar tools in the past. I think there's a few apps. One might be called Unscripted or something where it kind of has like flashcards where it's like, try this pose or mm -hmm. try this prompt or something when you're on the shoot. And they're just really general and basic and not custom at all. So huge improvement. Speaking of custom, let's uh, move on to the next yeah. part of this conversation. Uh, I like that. Custom GPTs. So yeah. I've been playing a lot with this and it's actually pretty exciting. I mean, if anyone has been listening to us talk, you probably know I've been a big uh, chat GPT proponent since day one. Well, week one at least. Uh, very soon after it was announced, we had an article up on the Feel Your Photos blog about ChatGPT and how photographers should be using it, um, mm -hmm. which I still think is pretty relevant. I would definitely go check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, but custom GPTs, when, when I saw this announcement, I don't know, I kind of have mixed feelings. It, and some yeah. part of me was like a little bit underwhelmed. And then another part of me was like, oh, that could do so many things. If you're a developer and you have the, the mindset of a developer, there's even more things that you can do with the playground and uh, building. You know, th there's an API, uh, agent API. I can't remember exactly what it's called right now, but you can do a lot with the idea being uh, OpenAI is going to handle a lot of the really complicated parts of setting up something that's custom trained on your data. And all you need to do is just give it a little bit of instruction and suddenly you'll get something that's very custom. And so... Basically, that's custom GPTs are a way for anyone who's got access to um, ChatGPT Plus. You can set up uh, custom GPT really easily. In fact, it's got a tutorial that walks you through setting up your first GPT. It will even make suggestions for you about what to name it. It'll generate a photo for it. It'll it'll like tell you what kinds of things. It'll go ahead and create the system prompt for you. And then you can start using it immediately just based on some feedback that you give it, which is really cool. But as you get a little bit more advanced, there are so many things that you can build with this. And the idea is uh, if anyone has used the system messages in ChatGPT, you can sort of give it instructions to do something really specific. Um, in fact, like one of the things that I did before was I would give it a topic and I gave it system instructions to give me back a list of search queries that would represent different user intents as a JSON list or something like that. So all I would do is just give it a topic and it would spit out this like list of intents and queries that matched them or something like that. And that kind of thing is super powerful, especially if you're a developer. Um, but sometimes you want something in a really specific format or you want it to think about something really from a specific angle. And the, um, the system instructions were a way to do that and it's, you know, it's fine, it works. But the custom GPTs makes it so that you're talking to an agent and you can have multiple of them pinned on your sidebar in ChatGPT. You can switch back and forth between which agent you want to ask or prompt in uh, different ways. Um, so <clears throat> I'll just give an example and then we can kind of chat about 
some things that you might be able to do with this. Um, the main thing is that you're going to be able to get responses back from ChatGPT that can fit your specific tone, your specific um, goals, your specific vision, whatever it is about you, your voice, your your vision, your mission, you can kind of program that into it. So one thing that I've been uh, playing with is a title coach for writing better titles, uh, SEO titles for your blog posts. And certainly if you just go use ChatGPT and tell it to write a title for your blog post, it can actually do a pretty decent job. And I experimented with that and I asked it to give me some for different things. And the ones that give me back, I'm like, well, oh, that, that would work. You know, if you're, if you're just trying to do the bare minimum and you, it's like if you were hiring a, a really low priced writer and you wanted to get just something back, any of the things that it gave me were acceptable, right? But were they on the level of what I would write if I was writing titles for this blog post as an expert on search engine optimization and thinking through how to compel people to click? No, they weren't even close to the kind of titles I would write. They weren't including the kinds of specific tips that I would use. Things about um, making sure to use the date when it's appropriate or putting things in parentheses or using symbols or what to put in the front versus the end or what to, you know, the, the specific length that you might want to use. All these things it wasn't really considering. So it was mediocre. <clears throat> so then I could take all of those things that I just mentioned and now make a custom GPT that is trained. I've given it all the information about how I want it to write the titles. And then I can ask it to write a title for a blog post or a specific topic, and it will give me back something that's significantly better. Well, I'll give you a, a tip. If you're planning on using these GPTs, go ahead and set up the rules, then prompt it, and then refine the results through conversation with that GPT. So when, it, when it gave me back that first set of results, when I set up a custom GPT, I was like, okay, that's way better than what it gave me before is just chat GPT, but it's still not quite right. It's not getting that it needs to sort of be like clickbait. It needs to like really get someone to, to think about clicking this. And it also needs to use the keywords that I gave it. How, you know, how can it be more creative? So then I would tell it, I would say, I need you to, write more like this and maybe give it a few examples. Finally, I got it to the point where using that GPT, it was outputting titles that looked pretty much like what I would write. I was surprised. I was like, that's 90% the quality I would produce any day. Um, and so then you just take those steps that you had to do to get it to the point where you felt that it was good and put them back into the custom instructions. Next time when you prompt it from the beginning, it should give you something very close to what you're expecting. So that's the overview of how you can you can do this. You can give it specific instructions, refine it by conversation, add those back into the instructions, and then have a GPT that will answer in a very specific way um, or with very specific context. Um, we talked a little bit about some ideas. What are some other things that you would think about doing with custom GPTs? Yeah, so like outside of titles and meta descriptions, um, I could see that being helpful to create social media captions for my images. Uh, posting on Instagram's really difficult for me. I don't do it often, but that might be a help. Uh, might get me going. Um, I've seen people also make them to help with wording their email responses to clients, specifically to like situations that might pertain, pertain to their uh, like contracts or anything like that, where like if somebody's asking for a date change, uh, it would be great to have a a custom GPT with your entire contract loaded and you can easily just ask it like, okay, this person wants to do this. Are they able to, and how should I word my response to them to tell them they're either able or not able to do that? Um, FAQs would be another great source 
especially if you have a, a set of FAQs on your site, or maybe it's a private page and you can use it to train that GPT, um, or just common questions you get all the time in your your consults, maybe load up a GPT with all of those. That'd be super helpful. In that case, are um, you thinking about um, embedding that that custom GPT into your site? Which would be somewhat difficult, but it could be cool. I think it's actually I mean, pretty easy. I think they make it pretty possible to do that with these. Yeah. Um, I've seen at least a solution that lets you train a custom GPT with their default interface in ChatGPT, and then somehow it accesses that and is able to embed it on your site. Pretty sure awesome. it's pretty straightforward if you search for it. I might, I might try that on my FAQ page. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it's worth trying. Um, outside of that, I'm trying to think of any other great ideas. I think um, my favorite idea is to see, yeah. well, two things. One, um, I was working with a client and I gave them a questionnaire, maybe 10 questions or something like that. It was about what it is that, you know, it sets their brand apart. It was questions about what inspires them, who they're trying to serve and, you know, why they're different than their competition, those kinds of questions. And then I asked ChatGPT to make a profile. And then I took that profile and pasted it in to a custom GPT and gave it a few more instructions about the kind of content that I wanted it to output. Um, for writing certain kinds of blog posts, I would even say that's probably going to be okay. It, it, mm-hmm. Depending on how much instruction you give it, you could probably get 70% of the way to a blog post that actually uses your you know, unique ideas and expertise. You really have to train it to do that, right? So I don't know. It, I'm a little hesitant on that because I want people to lean more into writing unique human content that is really inserting their expertise and experience. But for certain types of posts, I don't think that that's always necessary. And this might at least give you something that doesn't feel like ChatGPT wrote it. Like Dylan, you sent something the other day. I'm like, did ChatGPT write that? Exactly. Sometimes it's just so obvious. Like you're like, oh, clearly that didn't come from Dylan. Dylan would have wrote it like that. Uh, You don't want your stuff to feel that way. So then making a profile that is really trained on You've answered some questions, which, by the way, if you don't have a questionnaire, ask it to make one for you. Say, ask me 20 questions that will help you understand exactly what makes my brand unique. Something like that. It'll ask you the questions, and then you just answer them, get it back into the instructions of a custom GPT. Um, The other thing that I think would be really interesting is to use it for making avatars. So remember, I said you can have like multiples pinned up in your um, ChatGPT sidebar. if I know that I'm going to work with multiple searcher avatars, I was actually trying to make an app that would do this and I got pretty far into it. And then they announced all of this and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to mess with that right now. I'm going to wait and use this kind of technology instead. So I'm going to maybe revisit that sometime this year. But, um, the idea was, you know, if I'm writing content, let's say I just wrote a blog post, um, and let's say that I've already gone through some steps. Like if you take our course, for example, we talk about how to define your avatars. If you've already defined your avatar. You put that into a custom GPT, all of the answers that it would, you know, that lets it understand um, that specific person, what their motivations are, why they want to buy, what they, um, you know, for example, you're a wedding photographer and you want to work with, um, you know, couples who met in middle school and have grown up as, you know, sweethearts and like whatever it is, you make up some like right. really specific thing and you tell them like, what is this person? What's, what is the motivation for why they want to hire a wedding photographer? Um, and then you 
tell that custom GPT that it is that person, right? Give it a name, tell it you are blank name. And this is you, this is your story. These are your motivations, blah, blah, blah. And then you take your content and you paste it into the chat with this custom GPT. And you say, um, if you read this, how would you feel about it? What would you feel is missing? What follow-up questions would you have? Um, you know, would you, you know, if you searched the web for blank, put in a query that you're targeting, um, do you feel that this article would satisfy your query? Would you need anything else before you would contact me? What are some things I could do to make this more compelling or interesting to you? So speak to it as if it is your avatar. I haven't really done a lot with it yet. I did some initial testing. Even just the very basic minimal testing I did, I was like, okay, this could be really powerful. So right. if you're that kind of person who likes to think through um, your marketing in the terms of avatars, I think that custom GPTs could be amazing for that. If you do it, by the way, leave us a comment because I would like to see some examples of that. Totally. Yeah, I mean, that. as far as like redoing the copy on your website or even like making a content strategy for your blog posts, like informational blog posts, that seems like a really great way to outline the exact topics that your different avatars would be thinking are useful. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, even what you're saying like a content strategy, could you take several of those avatars and ask them, uh, hey, you're getting married in six months. What kinds of questions do you have? Like what things exactly. would you go to Google and search for right now? I mean, I think I've done that exact question into ChatGPT. Just like, am I missing anything here? Like, I, I think I know all the steps to planning a wedding. I've done it a few times. So let's, I mean, it's like, uh, I, I think we're covering it all, but what am I missing? And it's, it's interesting to get those questions. And um, I mean, the one of the biggest realizations for me this year was how many people are really looking for wedding dresses. Um, and that came from me asking GPT that exact question. And if you don't have a wedding dress boutique guide on your site, that's probably a really good topic to write about. Yeah. But yeah. So I think that the, the main point here with the custom GPTs is that if you haven't tried them yet, if you have uh, chat GPT plus definitely go in and test it out and just experiment, just try to create a few different agents um, that can do different things. Uh, <laughs> I've seen people who are doing, they're basically creating a marketing team for their company. Yeah. Like you've got head of marketing, you've got um, your copywriters, you've got like whatever it is. And they like use that. These people are agencies, right? And they would basically take all the training that they would normally give their employees and give it mm -hmm. to these agents. And then again, if you're, if you're using the API, <clears throat> you can like put it all into one conversation where the agents talk to each other. Right. It's so, so fun to watch. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. So like that, you know, there's, it's, the ideas are infinite. Um, I'm sure you could think of, we could sit here and brainstorm all day, but our main point today was to get you thinking about custom GPTs. Um, there are other solutions like it out there, but I think that the fact that they built this into ChatGPT and made it so easy to get started, it's something that everyone right. should be experimenting with right now. Seriously. Well, awesome. That was a really good conversation. I hope people are more open to potentially not blocking AI bots or making at least a more informed decision and uh, trying out these custom GPTs. Yeah, and if you have more ideas or questions about AI, definitely leave us a comment here on this uh, episode post. Um, we're going to be talking about AI more this year. We'll have to. Like, It's just such a big part of search. It's going to change the way that people search. It's going to change everything about search, in my opinion. Uh, and so we'll, we'll be talking about it a lot. If you are interested in 
getting access to some of the bots that we're going to be creating, like the title coach that I mentioned earlier. I will be releasing those to our uh, course students. So if you'd like to join the course, make sure you check that out. We're going to be, we've been talking about it a lot on our office hours calls and um, kind of walking people through. I've noticed that a lot of our students are now like religiously using ChatGPT and they're not using it to just generate crap content. They're using it to help them think through their marketing strategies. And I get ideas from them all the time. So if you'd like to be part of that conversation and join uh, some people who are really pushing the limits of what you can do, uh, we'd love to have you in the course community. Make sure you check that out. And otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode. All right. See you, everybody.